I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome to We Stand Together, a pop culture academic symposium. We're the pop culture professors, smart people, dumb topics, but we are different this week. You have, as always, Caitlin Bitsagai, but you know I never go anywhere without a Lauren. So I have with me today the one and only Lauren Ashley Smith. Welcome. Thank you for having me. This is home to me, this podcast. So thank you for the, <laughs> yes. the invitation. Our first ever guest back in the co-host chair. Wow. Wow. Who'd have thought? Probably anyone that we would have asked that day. 
So, you know, we're talking about standing and last two episodes that uh, you guys have heard have been Lauren Brickman and our wonderful friend Chris Lewis talking about Gilmore Girls, which is their incredible stand. We're going to talk about something that is close to our heart and close to our hate for Lauren mm-hmm. and Ashley and I. But first, let's talk about our stands of the week. You know what we're just into for the now. I'll go ahead and start. I am all in on the Gilded Age. Have you checked this out? I haven't. I've only seen bits and pieces on Twitter. I know that Cynthia Nixon is involved. I know that it's vaguely gay or people want it to be. And that's pretty much it. I don't know anything else. Right. It is vaguely gay. It is basically American Downton Abbey with Christine Baranski as Maggie Smith. We have Cynthia Nixon kind of as an Edith character. Uh, And then we have Carrie Coons and another hot guy as the up and coming new money. And yes, there's some gay plots in that Christine Baranski's son is gay, but he is looking to marry new money's daughter. Mm. Though he has a lover, I guess you would say. So they're navigating that a dog has been lost. (laughs) So much has happened. That's so American. A lost dog. (laughs) It is. It's American Downton Abbey, which is to say it has almost no stakes because the entire premise of Downton Abbey is that like the landed aristocracy are losing material wealth while the new money is gaining material wealth. But they don't don't have have land. Yeah, exactly. In this, it's just they're both just rich. They just don't like each other. Mm. And as as we know, spoiler alert, things work out for both new and old money in New right. York City. <laughs> they're both doing great. We all, today. everyone <laughs> can, everyone in that category is gonna thrive. You can visit those families today, and they're doing well. And the dog has long since died, but its descendants are walking around Central Park right now. Uh, do you have a stand of the week? Lord? I do. I do. My stand of the week is the, I would say much discussed but under-respected Netflix program, Love is Blind. I think the show is operating at a very high level, and I like to be Pandora for television watchers. So if you like Married at First Sight, if you like The Bachelor and Bachelorette, if you like Bachelor in Paradise, if you like 90 Day Fiance, you should be watching Love is Blind. It is absolutely incredible. And I also want to point out that the producers of that show, the set design, everything is just elite. And the reason why is because they take their time. Like the last season, season one of Love is Blind came out in about February 2020. And the most recent season, season two, came out this month, 2022. So they're not churning out. They're they're doing the hard work. It is like a beautiful, it's like truffles of television. Like it is... (laughs) It is so incredible. I cannot recommend it enough. So what is the premise? Like, What is Love is Blind? The premise is that they go to a city this year at Chicago. I don't remember what it was the last two years ago, but they take a bunch of single people and they basically date around like in a kind of round robin style, straight people. And they sit in these beautiful, sumptuous, comfortable pods and only talk to each other through a wall. So they never see each other until Ah. they decide to get engaged. And then if they do decide to get engaged, then they see each other, then they go on a honeymoon or like a trip then they have a three-week period where they live together and then at the end they have a wedding and at the altar they decide if they're going to be husband and wife for real or not wow so it's like the circle plus 
Married at First Sight. The circle is wow. a great comp to it. So if you like, like it really hits on like any of your like reality affinities will be scratched by Love is Blind. Wow. I need to get into it. And that. it's hosted by the Lachey's, which is interesting and important <laughs> to note. It is hosted by Nick and Vanessa Lachey, who appear once every six episodes. That is a good content warning. I, <laughs> you know, good for them. Good for them. Uh, well, Lauren Brickman has sent in a stan of the week as well because, you know, she just can't stop standing. Hey, Lauren, Ashley Smith, and Caitlin. Uh, I'm so sad I can't be there today, but I did just want to see if you all had your finger on the pulse like I do with Peacock's newest offering, Bel Air. I binge watched all of the episodes that are out. I'm obsessed. I think it is chock full of star power and joy. And I'm just so curious. Have you all seen it? What do you think? Are you standing it as hard as I am? I haven't. I have not. In fact, this morning I got in my little bed. I was like, I have like an hour. I'm going to watch the latest Love is Blind and have my coffee. And I realized that it doesn't come out until tomorrow. And I almost said, should I start Bel Air? And instead I chose to scroll on my I phone instead. I haven't seen it yet. Have you? Wow. Yeah, I will say Brickman's endorsement is meaning a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Here I love the original Fresh Prince. And it, it made me feel a little weird that they're doing a dramatic reboot. I don't know why. Both can exist. But I, I felt like, are people going to think this is the important one? Right. Because it's a drama. Right. I saw a tweet that said that Bel Air is euphoria, but dark skinned. <laughs> I, I said, you know what? That's a description that makes me want to watch it. All right. Now we're in. OK. Brickman will be joining you soon on the Bel Air train. But today we are going to talk about an obsession that this certainly is not prestigious, important, Mm-mm. or culturally relevant. <laughs> it's not moving the needle in any way. It is the show, the phenomenon, Sister Wives. So this is a show that, uh, it is a reality show, 16 seasons, 167 episodes on TLC, The Learning Channel. The story of the Brown family, Cody Brown and his now four wives, I believe they're 19 children. Uh, so so we usually like to talk about credits, you know, and I think we should just talk generally about what is our experience as fans of Sister Wives. I, I've been a fan, I guess, since the beginning. My mom was very into it. I bought my mom the book for Mother's Day, and she read it. They, they released a book quite a long time ago, and that book needs to be re-edited. I agree. With a foreword by Tamron Hall, at a minimum, who hosted many of the reunion shows, Bravely. Uh, but, but Lauren, what was your journey with Sister Wives? I watched it from the very beginning. Like, I remember seeing the promos on TLC and, like, basically setting a reminder on my phone being like, I right. will watch this program. I have not missed an episode. And I will say my biggest credential is that the first sketch I ever wrote was a parody <gasps> of Sister Wives called Sister Wives. And it was basically a black family. And the fourth oh. wife, the reveal was that she was white. In the sketch was Natasha Rothwell. My sister, Rachel, me, this man named Ismael Cruz Cordova, who was on Ray Donovan for multiple seasons, and my Uh friend, Rebecca, who looks a lot like Robin uh, when she first joined the scene. And so that's the first sketch I ever wrote. And I, like, made it with some friends and put it on YouTube because I was obsessed with season one of that show. 
Now, I know you've been nominated for an Emmy for sketch writing, but do you feel like you peaked out of the gate? 100%. In many ways, that Emmy was for Was for Sister Wives. (laughs) That is incredible. Well, I'm going to... We we asked the listeners and, and uh, for for questions, and I think you know we do that from time to time, and often it's many listeners with different questions. This was really evocative of Sister Wives to me that it was a few listeners with many questions, yes. and that really speaks to the Sister Wives fandom. Is that it's not Legion, but those of us that are there, we're there. Uh, but but we have one uh, audio from a longtime fan. Hi, my name is Lauren Brickman. I'm a huge stan of We Stan. Um, first time calling in with a question. Uh, I just wanted to know, as someone who has watched Sister Wives on and off over the years, but has really fallen off the wagon, is there a particular episode or season that you think someone who hasn't been a consistent viewer could use to kind of get back in the swing of things? That's a really good question. I personally first of all tlc and the producers of the show make no efforts to keep you understanding where the seasons begin and end (laughs) nope and so it's almost impossible the show could be it could still be in season one or it could be i assume it's in season 16 is what i'm being told maybe i really don't know but you can tell because every season usually has one plot point Every season has one plot point, and that is it. So you can map it to, like, what was the cul-de-sac season? What was the Coyote Pass season? What was the Catfish season? Uh, I think my biggest suggestion would probably be the season where they started to have some cracks in the in the facade when they were all living in the cul-de-sac, and they realized, oh, hey, like, we're not getting together as much as we used to, and we all still live next door to each other. So probably right when they moved to Vegas. Right, right. I think my answer to this question is just no, because (laughs) (laughs) I think we're not going to do a traditional thesis here in this episode. But I think my thesis is like, if you aren't in this already, do not start. Do not get involved. And like, almost like Lauren and I are taking you through like our exploits, you know, as a life of crime and drugs. Like we might be glamorizing it in some ways and we're showing you the highlights, but it hasn't been fun. all. No. And don't be like us kids. Um, Truly, there's almost no editing in this show. Like it's like, where would I start watching a CCTV at Walmart? Well, it's like, well, it's ongoing. Yes. So (laughs) you can't say they at least this season got the episodes down to just one hour. They have often been over an hour long. Two hours and 15 minutes long. They used to think we wanted, which we, me, we did. We We wanted two hours and 15 minutes. And if I may offer my thesis, which of which there are many, but my current thesis on this program is that we need justice and redemption for Mary Brown because she was painted as the villain of the family for several years because she was, she had less children. She only has one child. She wanted, um, a a house that was just as big as Janelle's and Christine's when they both have like five and six children. And she wanted a wet bar in her house, despite the fact that no one in the family drinks alcohol and she wanted it for crafts. And she was like adding $20,000 to the house budget to get a wet bar, despite having four other vacant rooms she could have used for the crafts. But now (laughs) Mary has come into her own as the most level-headed, committed, even-keeled, money-making, 
uh, empathetic of the wives and she needs to be repaid for the damage that we did to her reputation. I agree. I agree. So so let's let's explain this cast of characters. I mean, to start, we have Cody Brown, Cody with a K. I need you to understand. Mm-hmm. He is the patriarch of this family. Um, shaggy haired, enthusiastic, childlike, I would say. Childish. Childish as well. Um, so it's to give you some backstory, because people are probably like, are they Mormons? Yes, they are fundamentalist Mormons. And I actually looked this up. They they are somewhat affiliated with the Apostolic United Brethren. And what I read makes this group different than the Warren Jeffs of the world is the the weirdo that started this one. <laughs> he is just trying to get back to Joseph Smith days. So he's never like conveniently changed the rules as he goes along the way the creepy ones did so that they could marry children, you know, sexually abuse kids. Yes. He's just like, we just need to marry other adults. Just let's, let's keep it cool. <laughs> um. So while it's weird, it's not that out there. And we should say these are all consensual adult marriages. Nothing weirdo about that. So co- that's Cody. He at 2021 married Mary Brown. That's M-E-R-I. Yes. We should definitely say. Hardly any of the names you'll hear are spelled <laughs> the way you think. So Mary, her journey. <laughs> um, first wife. But pretty quickly followed by Janelle. Yes. Now, as Lauren said, Mary only has one biological daughter, and that is Mariah, Mariah. who we will get to. When we meet them, Mary works part time, Mm -hmm. has one daughter, is kind of just there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Then we have Janelle. I'm just laughing because I'm really thinking if the show was just Cody and Mary, that'd be enough. It would. It really (laughs) would. If the show was just called Cody and Mary, we have one kid, you would we'd still be 16 seasons in. But then we have Janelle. Now, Janelle is a force, I would say. Janelle has traditionally been my favorite. When we meet them living in Utah, she has a full time job. So she's one of the breadwinners. She has six kids and four of them are boys. So you really cannot tell her anything. You cannot tell Janelle shit. She's the breadwinner, air producer extraordinaire. And uh, we have a, a couple questions from the fans about Janelle. Hern Gully asked, how the heck was Janelle not the first to go? She DGAF. And I, <laughs> I agree with you, Hern Gully, but I, I've talked about this before on the podcast. I think Janelle is the most religious secretly. Mm. I think she believes she has to be in this. Understood. At one point. Yes. At one point. I agree. She's not as culturally interested in it as, say, Christine is. But I think she believes in uh, the principle, as they call it. And so she does it, even though, yeah, she's not she does not like dealing with Mary. And she's not like as just awestruck by the whole thing, the way Christine and Robin are at sometimes. That's my thought. Why do you think she stayed in it so long? I think she stayed in it. At least at the beginning, because she had an incredible setup. She was um, able to work and do her own thing while Christine, who you will explain, the third wife, raised her kids from babies. (laughs) Completely. During their whole childhood, Christine had about 12 kids she was raising and half of them were Janelle's. And Janelle's did not have to cook for them or clean them up or do anything. She just was able to do her completely. So she got the benefit of having six kids, but did not have to do anything. And now that, you know, the family is older, 
older, she's someone who gets to have most of her free time spent with her kids or doing what she wants to do because her husband only comes around every so often. But she also has an on-call handyman if she needs someone to pick high fruit out of her tree she can't reach. Her husband will come open up a ladder, climb up, get it for her, and then get out of Dodge. That sounds like a great setup to me. And she's like, also, I'm going to heaven. Like, what? Like, she's good. It is so true. And then she she seems to like Cody. Like, at times, I think the other three have completely been romantically in love with Cody. I don't know if Janelle ever was, but she seems to like him well enough. At least up until we will get to this past COVID season, because that's a whole mm-hmm. other thing. But largely, I think she's like, yeah, he's, he's like a good guy. She also, you find out in the book, my mom told me, that at one point she left the family for a while to live in a tent in Wyoming. So she has some independence to sometimes leave and go live in a tent. Also, what you learn from the book, which they've only ever indicated and i'm not sure they've ever spoken about directly on the show janelle was divorced when she entered the marriage and the person she was married to previously was mary's brother it never comes up and it never comes up in the context of why janelle and mary who have the most contentious relationship of the sisters it never comes up due to that ever and to your thesis about justice for mary that's weird it's already weird to have a sister wife it's weird when that person used to be your sister-in-law come on now and she's only at the time marrying your husband she's only like 21 years old so you start to think like is this woman just getting married every year what's going on now that turns out to not be true but you'd be suspicious right and they often try to they really um have tilted the narrative to be that the reason why janelle and mary don't get along is because when they first Moved when Janelle first moved in to the house that Mary and Cody shared, there was basically World War three, four, five, and six over the kitchen. The right. kitchen is the issue that drove a, an irreparable wedge between Janelle and Mary. And now Cody, 20 years later, still jokes like, I don't ever want to see my, two of my wives in the kitchen. And it is because of that. So I don't know. Right. It's like, did that start when Mary was visiting her brother and Janelle was like in her own kitchen? Like, where what is happening because we need to untangle this knot these women have gone to therapy to work out their issues and even then they have not brought up the ex-brother no and then we have the fact that janelle's mother married cody's father (laughs) and that causes the question for the apostolic united brethren how small is this church it's pretty small. <laughs> How small is it's the religion small. that there is that much overlap in one family? And then we have the fact that Mary's mother is named Janelle. Yes. <laughs> but spelled differently. Yes. Grandma Janelle and Janelle Janelle. But Grandma Janelle's pretty much just a normal grandma. Yes. Okay. Then we had the question that was asked twice. Only one question was asked two times. Fionzone and Alyssa both asked, do you think Cody and Janelle are still intimate? That's a great question. Because I honestly, if there were not six kids to show, I would say they never were. (laughs) Right. But I can't scientifically say that is true. But mentally my mind is telling me it still isn't it's they did they weren't this is my thing i think they are not but it's not off the table Mm. which 
we know Cody will take it off the table. Right. We've seen that. He'll rip it off the table so fast. But again, I think, again, until COVID season, I think he had a pretty good relationship with Janelle. I think Janelle was a respite in a lot of ways. She gave him four, like, sons and Madison, who is his favorite daughter. So, like, he's going to keep Janelle happy, by which I mean he's not going to say, I'm never going to have sex with you again, which is a sentence he is capable of saying. Very much. He said it twice. (laughs) Which brings us to third wife, Christine. Now, Christine, often the main character of the show, uh, the third wife who grew up in polygamy aspired to be a third wife, Uh the party wife, as she'll tell you. And that's true, largely. Like, she got to be the fun one. She's, like, a little younger than Janelle and Mary, like two or three years. Uh, She has five daughters, one son. We meet When we meet her, she's pregnant with one of the VIP children, truly. Yes. She has never worked outside the home. Mm -mm. Doesn't understand it in the slightest. While she was raising Christine's kids, sometimes Christine's kids were raising her because Logan would come over and like show her how basic appliances work. They had an interesting relationship. She doesn't know how checks work. She famously was afraid of toasters and thought that toasters were the most dangerous thing you could have in a home. So she made toast in the oven. That was like her big plot point in episode one, season one. She definitely at times has had huge romantic love for Cody. And as much as she says she doesn't want a marriage, she wants a family. She also really loved Cody and Cody time. Yes. When we meet them, these are the three wives. And they live in this kind of big compound in Utah uh, that's sort of a weird merging of like two different ranch houses. It never quite yeah. made sense. I only in the most recent seasons have they really like <laughs> They've kind of sketched through the layout of the house and how like. Once again, it was a source of conflict because I believe Mary's house or apartment was like in the top middle. And so for kids to get from Janelle to Christine's apartments, they had to to get through it, get to the other from inside the house. They would have to go through Mary's house. And she famously was like, I don't want these people traipsing in and out of my house, which I don't think is an unreasonable ask. Right. Right. But the otherwise are like, otherwise they have to go outside, which is really inconvenient. And also we hear about these resentments from Christine because her apartment was in the basement. So she calls herself the basement wife. Right. Which is it's, it's a term of art in polygamy to be a basement wife. Uh, yes. And uh, you don't want to be the basement wife. No. I guess we don't have to explain that too much. So Christine has had an interesting road. If you saw her at a Marshall's, I think you'd think like possibly like hippie mom even like mm. like mm-hmm. you wouldn't get like her whole aura is a little fairy dust um a little feely uh, but not liberal not tethered to any sort no. of ethical concerns just sort of mm-hmm. that's her aura so in, in, that's that's our that's our crew as we understood it or so we thought also kind of important to point out that at the time this was a, an entirely toe-headed family. Like, everyone is Correct. blonde. Correct. Everyone at this point is blonde with some level of long, sort of just, like, straw-colored hair from every husband to every wife to every child. And I will say, what made the show palatable for me immediately and why I never watched The Duggars, I hated it from a second of watching it, the kids are not zombies. Like, the kids... No. 
think that it's insane that their dad is married to multiple women. They make fun of them all the time. The kids were allowed to look different. Like mm-hmm. Madison went through like a goth period. And yes. it just was fine. Like they were just like, whatever. Um, they had all kinds of different schooling options at the beginning. Some of them went to public school. Mariah went to that, like, I guess, apostolic brethren yes. school. Like they had a lot of strange things going on to accommodate the kids. So that was like, okay, the adults are weird, but they're not forcing anything. And it should be said, none of the kids have chosen to do plural marriage. Zero. Of all of, of the entire 20-person crew, zero out of 19. Right. So w- when we start, they're maybe like 40 years old, I want to say. The, the four mm-hmm. mains are around the same age of 40 years old. Then we enter Robin, <sighs> who's maybe like 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, a brunette divorced. Mm-hmm who mm-hmm. already has three children from the divorce, a son and two daughters. She did grow up in polygamy, and so she's looking to join a plural family. As she will tell you later, she had lots of offers of marriage, but turned them down yes. because they were not going to be plural. Um, what did you think when Robin joined the family? I remember being extremely amenable and open to Robin joining the family. And I thought it was like, kind of like all just very like genuine, earnest and wholesome. Mm-hmm. It seemed very wholesome. Cause it was like, Cody kind of framed it as like, I'm this great person who is not only taking on, like it's not lustful in any way because now I'm taking on three additional children. Right. It just felt driven by like the mission and the church and like, this is what you do to get into heaven. But then you kind of see like how kind of, lovey-dovey he and Robin were it was like very much giving like eighth grade crush energy mm-hmm. and she certainly was like the thinnest of the three yeah. wives and like you know Cody was like zipping around in a convertible to like go pick her up and stuff and like it definitely felt I could see how the wives especially Christine took it so hard when this new person because they thought it seems like three seems like a nice round number three wives seems like you're locked. And at that point, their kids, they had teen kids. Right. You know? So it kind of felt like if he was going to take on a fourth wife, he would have done it. Yeah. And Christine was pregnant at that time with our heroine, Truly. Truly. So she gives birth. uh, And also, if you remember when Truly was sick, very sick, Cody was with Robin and not at the hospital. Um, So Robin joins the family. Robin herself has never seemed to have negative motives to me, but it does seem like Cody was able to access this part of his desires and personality that has been bad, that has ultimately been bad. Now, Hearn Gully also asked, how do you think Robin would handle a new wife coming in? Which I think is a great question. I found that in this season of the COVID season, which we'll talk about, I was really, uh, it was revealed to me that Robin was kind of full of shit and and a lot of times because I was thinking to myself, the things she's saying where she was like, it's not my fault that Cody just, you know, is over here all the time or whatever. I was like, and you know, the other women have kids outside the home. It really dawned on me. I had an epiphany. I was like, if the shoe were on the other foot, she would be fucking pissed. And so I think that if the shoe were on the other foot, she would be pissed. She hasn't had her metal tested the same way the other three wives had. She has not had to deal with another wife coming in. She has not had to deal with Cody being more in love with somebody else. She has not had to deal with anything but good things. Like, 
Cody divorced Mary so he could marry Robin because Cody was legally married to Mary, his first wife. And then, and I believe 2014, he divorced Mary and married Robin legally so he could adopt her kids. Right. So she's only had good things. Right. Which was Mary's idea, genius by Mary. Yes, it was. PR within the family. The person that had an issue with it was Janelle because, and if you're a viewer of Big Love as well, you know, second wife inherits the legal so Janelle is never going to get to be legally married to Cody ever. ever. And that is really looking back where a crack started as well for Janelle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also Robin would have trouble with Cody having more younger kids without yes. her. Yes. Agreed. She also has that where it's like she has the little ones, the littlest ones now. And so like, of course, you know, the dad is going to be more needed around a baby and stuff. But if some other lady came in there and like he was, you know, at her house all the time and, you know, at a home birth, Robin would have something to say. Mm-hmm. So as we're talking about the children, we cannot mention every child, but but we'll go over who, who we think, you know, the VIPs are, the stars, if you will, starting with our king, Logan. Wow. Logan, the eldest child, the eldest son, the son of Janelle. He's got it all. Logan came of age when they were in Vegas. He attended UNLV. He is engaged uh, to a woman. He's been engaged for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he hasn't been seen for many seasons. No, and he has a locked Instagram. This is how smart Logan is. And when we know Logan's truth, we'll know the truth, but we don't right now. We don't. Logan is trustworthy, and he has been seen drinking like a beer in a scene. Um, Mariah, Mary's one daughter, but, but, you know, hit it out of the park as far as stars. She, she can't mention Mariah without mentioning her also very longtime fiance, Audrey. Audrey. These people will hold on to an engagement. They, they wanted to have their wedding in like August of 2020. Obviously didn't happen. It's been a long time. (laughs) Audrey's as much part of the family as Cody. Like 100%. So when Mariah came out of the closet, it's definitely one of the best episodes. The only person that really had a problem with it was Mary. Mm-hmm. Janelle had the great line, I thought you had cancer and left the room. <laughs> and I think Mary had a problem with it. Well, I mean, because it's like her one daughter. Like, I think it's yeah. like she wanted that straight marriage for her one daughter. It was just another thing for Mary. It was like, especially because Mariah, as you mentioned, she was in that homeschooled uh, AUB kind of school. And she was the only kid that was like, I want to live polygamy. Right. Like she said, I want to marry a husband and be a first or second wife or whatever. And it was such a big pivot for Mary had the win. Like she was like, I have the one kid that wants to be a sister wife. And then it was like, "Oh, oh God, hold up. Wait a second. Yeah. And it was like, there was the catfish, there's the wet bar, and there's a gay child. It's a lot to carry. <laughs> and she went to a, a private college in Utah, which I'm going to assume mm-hmm. was Mormon-affiliated. Yes. Then we have Aspen, which is Christine's eldest. Aspen, A-S-P-Y-N, uh, also a UNLV graduate, sorority girl at yep. UNLV. Again, mm-hmm. they will let their kids do anything. <laughs> Now married to uh, a guy, Mitch, Mitch. Yeah. Who's Scottish. Yeah, they had the Scottish ceremony. I love Aspen. Just pretty much a I normal do. I person. think she has beautiful hair. <laughs> yeah. I think she's involved as much as she should be. Like, she is very well adjusted, it yeah. seems. Right. 
Then we also have Madison, who is Janelle's oh. oldest daughter. Loved Madison was like co one A child for me until her evangelical husband. I do not like. Right, I've docked so many points from Mad- Madison. I've completely done a one eighty on because I used to love her. I thought she was really like honest and her like a real her own person. And then she married Caleb, and it oh. just is so. She's so basic now. Like, she's just slotted so perfectly into, like, evangelical wife role without any kind of interrogation of what those things mean. And she's so superior about it. Yeah. And Madison, like we said, used to be kind of goth. Uh, She used to, even though she was, like, fifth in birth order, which, of course, only means she's, like, 10 months younger than the rest of us. Right. But, like, she would stand up for, like, Mariah, who was quieter. And they just had a cute relationship. But Madison now has two children. Um... Jacob, we don't like. Uh, then we have rounding out that the olds is McKelty, which is Christine's second daughter, an absolute wild card. Take one second to think of how that is spelled. Yeah. I'm McKelty. gonna ask the listeners McKelty. to take one second. McKelty, think about that. Just take a pause and think how would I spell this? Okay, it's spelled M Y K E L T I. That's just a bunch of consonants just shaken up and letting them fall where they may. <laughs> and McKelty is unfortunately married to Tony, one of the worst characters ever on the show. A Mexican-American LDS Mormon who is <laughs> unfortunately uh, forced to face a lot of the racism of the Brown family. We hate that, but we also hate him. So it's difficult. And it's like, it's unfair because it's like, Tony has a lot of qualities that you can't put your finger on that are off-putting. Yes. But for the family, you can tell that one such thing yes. is the fact that he is Mexican. Correct. Yes. And they won't divorce the two. Right. And then it's hard for them because he's LDS, which right. McKelty trying to join upon marrying him. and. The LDS Church denied her because she is because a of, of the, the family. family, which is tough. And they are they now have a daughter, uh, Avalon, probably Avalon. And they met while working at a pawn shop in Utah. Then <laughs> I'm just going to say there's boys. There's like five boys. No one real like all their names end with the letter N. They are like vaguely at all times in the military or nursing school. No uh-huh. one knows. Um, skip, skip, skip. There's a couple girls in there that are fine. Uh-huh. And then we have truly. Again, think about how the word truly is spelled and just think. Insert an E. Uh-huh. And then she's just like kind of a little, she has like little star energy. I, I think we could have been doing more with truly, really. Yes. And truly is like, she is VIP simply because she is the brown child who was the first one to be born on television. And right. some of Robin's kids, I believe the first one, Ariella, is Ariella? No, Solomon, yeah. was born kind of on camera because they did a home birth. But like truly, like we saw her come out into this world the same way we saw Mason Disick on Kardashians right. come out into this world on that show. And now she's like 11. She's grown up on television. Uh, and then we also have Gabe. But, you know, I think we'll get to Gabe more when we talk about plot points right after this commercial break. Together. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. 
You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. GZM Shows and the creators of Six Minutes are rolling out their newest audio adventure with the podcast Discovering Dad. A cautious single dad with a secret past and his rebellious kids embark on a thrilling quest complete with hidden treasure, villains, and a family curse. New episodes of Discovering Dad roll out weekly starting June 11th on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show so you never miss an episode. Or listen early and ad-free as a GZM Show subscriber. Go to gzmshows.com to learn more. Okay, now I divided this episode up when I thought of it. And like, let's talk about the cast of characters and then let's talk about the plots. There's like <laughs> 16 seasons, about three things have happened. Um, mostly, most episodes, especially the first ones that were so funny, were just them trying to figure out how many chairs they would need for a dinner. And you'd think yes. they would have that on lock and they don't in the slightest. It is the biggest comedy of just them like, how many people? Why do we need a chair? Who needs a chair? Someone said they'll sit on the floor. Who'll sit on the floor? Madison shouldn't sit on the floor. That's 45 minutes of the original episodes and was just beautiful. But something we've referenced that uh, C. Lewis 19 has asked us to please just break down Mary's catfish. <laughs> so I did look it up. Just just I didn't want to go just on memory. It's not super complicated. Uh, Mary was on Twitter. She was uh, interacted with a man named Sam. They started DMing. His name is Sam Cooper. He was in his early 40s and a successful entrepreneur. Ultimately, it wasn't a man. It, it was a woman named Jackie who lives in Oklahoma who does a lot of scams. She has a long rap sheet. When Mary figured out it was a catfish and pulled away from Jackie Sam, Jackie published <laughs> their text and including a sexually suggestive photo of Mary with a banana. I, I had had mm -hmm. wonderfully blocked that out yeah. until this moment. And the thing is, she didn't like lose any money to this catfish or anything, but it, it becoming public because it, it wasn't just that Mary was attracted to Sam Cooper, successful businessman. It was that Sam Cooper said a lot of bad things about the Brown family, specifically Cody Brown, that Mary agreed with. Yes. So this is a tough, 
tough situation to come back from. Yes. And ultimately, uh, Mary does rejoin the family. I, I don't know that it is right then that they decide, Mary and Cody decide that they are no longer romantically involved. So I should say originally, Cody would every day go to a different wife's bedroom and spend. So Mary was the one apparently who first said, you can skip me. I don't need it anymore. Yes. Thanks. And I think Mariah was already in the house. It's like, I'll just be around. So, but now Mary wants Cody back or she knows it's hilarious television. I'm not sure which one it truly is. What do you think? I think she feels left out. And I think she also feels like, of all the things that have happened, like the catfish was bad and it really exploded the family. Um, Like at the time, Mariah was still in her like very pious situation. And one of the harshest burns I've ever seen on TV was when they were talking about the catfish and Mariah was confronting her mom. Like, how could you do this to my dad? How could you do this to the family? And then she says, and also what's wrong with your eyebrows? Which is true, though you can't start saying that on this show. You cannot you can't. open that Pandora's box. Because there's so many eyebrows to to be dealt with. But I think that Mary at this point is like, you know what? Like, of all the things that have happened in this family, can why can't you get over the catfish for whatever reason? Like, why can't you get over it? And Cody, it feels like he just needed a reason to like, you know, dispose of Mary. And he leaned into the catfish so hard and they did go to therapy for a while and stuff. And he just was sick of her because for a period of time, Mary was annoying AF. Yeah. And Mariah, we should mention, being an only child of Mary and Cody has always been concerned that she could get locked out of this family. Yes. She wanted them to have a younger sibling because in the beginning they were talking about doing IVF and stuff. And yes. one of them was for it. Then another was for it. It was complicated. Neither of them really wanted to do it. Um, and Mariah was really worried. So then the catfish Mariah was really worried. And of course we know now Mariah was closeted too. So she's carrying that. And she's really worried about getting iced out of this family. Little does she know it's actually impossible for her. Like she can bring her, her trans lesbian fiance, never have a wedding for eight years. And everyone's like, stay, stay we a love while. Them. Yeah. Stay a while. We'll come to the pride parade with you. We're in. <laughs> they did. Um, there's nothing going to take Mariah away from this family. But I agree. It's I mean, it's hard. It, I also should mention the catfish has threatened to publish a book called Almost Married, spelled M-E-R-I apostrophe E-D. And Jackie is still out there. Uh, she's not in prison right now, I don't think. And Mary is still on Twitter if you would like to catfish her again. Yes. And also, uh, at the time, there were voicemails that were released of Jackie talking, and it was very sus that mary would couldn't tell that that was a woman like it seemed yeah. a little bit on the line because if you heard sam's voice it sounded like not like a businessman it sounded like a business boy at best like this was not a a robust deep man's voice that was leaving having these conversations right, which is like it's sad because I mean, if anyone's a victim of a scam, they're the victim. But like for these women, they have so little knowledge of how the outside world works that like there's just there's not going to be any red flags. Like she could have said, I'm Sam Cooper, president of IBM, Apple and Windows. And yes. Mary would have been like, oh, awesome. <laughs> She's like, I'm I live in Leavenworth, Kansas, and that's where I'm the president of. Yes, of computers. And she'd be like, wow, amazing. Like, tell me more. Doesn't know, and it is funny though. We should also mention that 
Mary has been heavily involved with Lula Roe for years. Yes, even and has only hit the gas harder since the Lula Rich documentary came out. Like at one point, Mary was running her LuLaRoe retailer out of her house in Vegas and yes. Madison was her Assistant. employee. Yeah, she had an employee. She was and she's never tried that hard at it. She only sells them because she's sort of a celebrity. Right. Like she's never put the effort in that some of the women from that documentary did, but and she looks horrible all the time. All the time. And those baseball uh tees are horrific. She loves a baseball tee. She loves it. But the catfish has been so freeing for both Mary and Mariah. And that is when Mary took the turn to just be the comedic Greek chorus of the show. Like, I'm never getting back in. I can say whatever I want to anyone. And it'll just have to be funny because they're not going to, we learned, they're not going to ultimately leave me in the sense of financially or not let me talk to the kids. So anything they actually care about, they can still do. So exactly. Might as well. Okay. So the other big topic is their constant moving. Uh, as I mentioned, they started out in some sort of weird compound in Utah. Then they claimed, and this, I looked up stuff regarding this issue too. At the time, polygamy was a felony. I continue to not know what that exactly would mean, but Christine and Cody particularly believe that you can go to prison for being a polygamist because Christine's dad did. Mm-hmm. And look, they were publicly polygamous on the show on TLC. So maybe. And they moved to Las Vegas where they all get four houses in a row in a cul-de-sac. This is the beginning of this is really great times for them. And for us, the viewers. I mm-hmm. It's like a utopia. It's like Pleasantville. It's like a, a compound where it's like, you know, the kids are riding their bikes in the street because no other cars besides the families. Or It was very like big love, like season one, like the polygamist American dream. Yes. And really, they found freedom in Las Vegas because no one cares what you do in Las Vegas. So they can no. just be polygamist. There was UNLV for the kids that wanted to leave the house to go to. There were actually a lot of education. I know that Las Vegas actually has really good schools. And they're, they're, mm-hmm. that's an interesting thing about the Brown family is that they do seem to value education and that I believe is another difference between the three moms originally and Robin because Robin's two eldest at least have graduated high school and I do not believe they either work nor go to school nor in the military interesting which is another reason I think Robin would have a problem if a new wife came in because she needs the money from the show and from Cody most directly yes she does like Logan graduated from UNLV like six years ago he has a job and his fiance that's a job presumably um so they live in Vegas. Now, your follower, D. Morris, asked, why did they move to Flagstaff? They had a great setup in Las Vegas. And I agree with you, D. Morris. And I can't fully answer the question other than they are nuts. <laughs> yeah. And like Cody's whole reason, I believe, if I remember correctly, he was like, this just doesn't, God's telling you this doesn't feel like our home anymore. I think they, at one point, he kind of hinted at, like, the sin city of it all in Las Vegas yeah. was, like, not conducive to their religion. But I think, ultimately, it was the cost of living. Like, I yeah. think that he Googled, like, the cheapest cities to live in in America. And he was like, okay, well, Flagstaff is in U-Haul distance. Let's just go there. Right. And at the time, Utah had still had this felony on the books. It has actually since been made, like, a basically a traffic violation. Misdemeanor? Yeah. 
And Cody had this secret plan to build one big house in Arizona because that is his dream specifically. And none of the wives share the dream. Janelle is okay with the dream at the time. But the Mary, Christine, and Robin all hate it. Um, I think one of the most emotional scenes of the entire series is Aspen begging her mom not to move. And she keeps saying, when will it ever be enough? She's not talking about moving. She's talking about why her dad has to marry so many women. And it's like a heart wrenching. And Christine is just so in a way, they're great parents. I think they really care about each of their kids. But until like this last season, the three. Well, maybe just Janelle and Christine have been really blinded by the mission statement of this family, sometimes over the welfare of individual kids. And I thought that's really where you see Christine do it. And it was really hard to watch. Now they have moved. They have bought what is called Coyote Pass, which is this land that they own. They do not live on it. They each chose unlike in Las Vegas, to live in totally different areas. Robin has bought a house that is not on Coyote Pass. Mary seems to rent a condo, which is in downtown Mm -hmm. Flagstaff, which like, yeah. I believe Christine bought a house as well, but she's since sold it since she left the family. Yeah, and Janelle was renting a house, but then moved onto a trailer with her three or so children who live at home. Because we know that Janelle sometimes goes to live on the land. That is actually Mm -hmm. normal. She's okay. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, this is where the family breaks down. Coyote Pass, Flagstaff is like the the nail in the coffin for the Cody yes. Brown family. Yes. Like, it is just such a far cry from the, like, you know, when we first met the family, like, you would see the kids running around and you would have no idea, like, whose mom, who, what kid belonged to which mom, no. what house belonged to which kid. Like, you no. know, it just felt very unified. Now it couldn't be more fractured if you, if you tried. And, like, everything about Flagstaff and about Coyote Pass has been so contentious. Like, even the one house versus when they're like, okay, we're all going to have different houses where they're going to put the houses on each plot of land. Who wants to be in the trees? Who doesn't want to be in the trees? There's a pond on that land that they do not want Mary to have because it harkens back to the time where Mary didn't want the kids passing through her apartment. So they were like, Mary can't be on the pond because we don't want her to be like, I don't want people on my pond. Yes. And so so to go from season 15, where I'd say the main thing was Coyote Pass, to to 16, where I'd say the the main thing was COVID, the the end of 15 is Utah makes this anti-polygamy law, which, again, we don't know how long it's been enforced in the last few decades at all anyway, but they make it into a a fee or something, an easy pass fee. And Christine (laughs) gets this great idea to move back to Utah. It's actually one of the most, again, upsetting scenes. Uh, she talks to her three daughters who are living at home, say, don't you want to move back to Utah? They all say, no, like stop moving us around. We want to go to two grades in a row. And we also have to go to school during COVID, you monster. And she's like, okay, great. You guys want to do it? And they were like, no. She goes to meet the other adults and they're all like, oh, no, we don't really want to move back no. to Utah. And then... She has a breakdown and it's really sad because she really thought that they were all going to just agree. It's really strange scene. Cut to the first episode of this season where it turns out Cody was playing both sides the whole time. He was telling Christine that he wanted to move back to Utah, which I thought she was crazy. He lied. And then a couple episodes into season 16, we're in COVID. 
how this family deals with COVID. First of all, it was hard. We all remember 2020. It's still hard. Yeah. And like possibly the worst thing to happen to a 40 person family is a disease that is spread by close contact and communication. And in the time where we're talking about bubbles and stuff, their bubble was the size of the Epcot. Like they're like, if they made the whole family a bubble, that's like, that's a, a neighborhood. Right. And we have Madison living in North Carolina. I think Mariah and Audrey have moved to Salt Lake City. Aspen mm-hmm. and McKelty live. Who knows? Logan is trying to get away from them. So COVID was a blessing. Um, so it does pose an actual logistical problem, which we've discussed. They are horrible at anyway. Um, and you might think also you might be thinking, are they politically? What What is where are they on COVID? They're not at all COVID deniers. Mm-mm. Some are more concerned or more like they're more like observant, I would right. say, or cautious than yes. others. Some are their calculated risks. The calculations are different. Yes. And and keeping in mind, they were in Arizona. So they are watching it happen on the East Coast, like, you know, and on the cities. So, right. so there is something to that. But now we're sort of the, the season's kind of at the end of the year 2020. And it has not been going well. There's a basically. Christine just wants to do whatever is the truth of it. She won't really say that, but she wants to take her kids and travel around. She never really respected them going to school. So if they can do school from home anywhere, she really doesn't care. Janelle has two kids that are under, actually maybe only one kid that is under 18, but two of her sons that are college age are living with her. Mm -hmm. That's hard for her because they are adults and they both have significant others and jobs. So their house is open, at least, you know, for the jobs, if nothing else. And Cody doesn't want to come over there. So he does not see these children for I don't know how long. It appears to be maybe six months. Like he might see them like in a field sometimes when they all maybe. get together. Or when he's bringing his ladder over to Janelle's yeah, and they happen he'll, to like, be there. And like. It's really sad because there's the youngest daughter of Janelle who is not an all-star child, but deserves a father nonetheless. And she's kind of sad. Like she's kind of pleading with her older brothers to to pay more attention to rules so that she can see her dad. (sighs) Then it comes out that he has these rules because what the bomb that drops is that Robin has a nanny coming to and from their home. Right. And uh, Elaine Levine had a lot of questions that, that deal with this topic. So I'll just read them all off and we can we can address them as we need. Do you think Janelle should have kicked her kids out for not being COVID compliant? And will Cody ever admit that his behaviors towards his kids this season were wrong? And is it me, the editing, or the actual reality that Cody is extra cringy this season? Uh, th- thank you, Aline Levine, for all of those. So I just kind of had an epiphany about the way that each wife handled COVID because, like, Mary was like by default very COVID cautious because she has no life and no kids living in the house and yeah, she no. Didn't really, like, do she's not she in just, the rotation. She, she like, exists. she just was doing what she was normally doing, which is selling Lularoe from her house and not interacting with anyone. But it occurred to me that, you know. I I found myself watching and being kind of frustrated with Christina and Janelle who were kind of like, you know, some of Cody's rules were extremely wild. Like, don't go to the grocery store. Like, what else are they going to do? But some of them, them being like, you know, Christina would always say, I want to be around people who want to see me. And it's like, well, 
him not them not wanting to pass and get covid is not them not wanting to see you like they 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 may not like you as a person but that's separate it's like a tony thing where it's like you are an annoying person and also this other thing is at play but the epiphany that i had is that like it is kind of unreasonable to expect janelle and christine or anyone in this family the kids to suddenly adhere to what society yes. or the cdc or whatever says because their op- their whole lives have operated outside the norm yes. they don't go to normal school they have a, an unconventional marriage set up which is against the law in some places and they you know they live in such a way that none of it is adhering to the prescribed ideal and they are trucking along just fine yeah that's an excellent point and i think That speaks to one frustration I continually had, which is neither Cody nor any of the moms could articulate well to each other or to their children why they did anything. There's a really Mm -hmm. frustrating scene early on where Truly visits with Solomon and little Ariala princess girl. Uh, and they have to keep socially distant and they keep complaining about it. But no one ever explains why. So it seems insane to these kids. Right. And Fionzone asked, do we think Robin is purposefully manipulative in this situation? It's tough. I think Robin is purposely passive aggressive. Right. She's saying, I'm not telling Cody that he has to only come to my house and I'm not making him do these things. I just happen to be the one who follows the rules the best. Like, I just happen to have the younger kids. Like, she's putting the ball in so many other people's courts, knowing that it's always going to shake out in her favor. Right. And. Yeah, and that's where we see Gabe emerge as one of the VIP children. We didn't know him. We just thought he was one of those boys in the massive boys. Although I don't think all of Gabe's ideas about COVID cautions are correct, he uh, is absolutely correct that he deserves to be treated fairly by his father. Yes. It does look suspicious. It's clearly him. They say one of the kids made a phone call to Robin accusing her of being at fault. And it was clearly either Gabe or his older brother. Yes. And good on Robin for not outing that on television, but we know. Uh, And Gabe uh, almost copped to it, pretty much. Right. And Cody has no sense of, like, I should change or explain so that there aren't divisions between my kids and Robin. He he also lets the chips fall. He's like, well, if that's what's going to happen, that's what's going to happen. So we see at the end... Uh, oh, also, Christine has a daughter who does need pretty serious surgery in the year 2022, correct? Um, scoliosis, and they need to travel to New Jersey for this. And Cody, Cody is calls so it mad. a vacation at one point. Yes. Because they have to go, then quarantine for like a week before the surgery, recover from surgery, and quarantine and recover before they come back on a plane to Flagstaff. Right. So he's saying she's going on a three-week-long vacation, which is, in fact, not the case. And his daughter is in immense pain at all times, which he doesn't care about at all. It's it's tough. And I think that's what really breaks Christine. And Christine is going to crucify him in interviews and make sure that on television it is understood that he did not stand by his daughter during this surgery. And then we see at the end of this season, Christine uh, basically breaks up with Cody because Cody says that their romantic relationship is over, which we alluded to. He will tell you if he's not going to have sex with you anymore. And Christina said, no, our whole relationship is over. And it seems, has she moved back to Utah or... From what I saw on, like, you know, The Wrap or something like that, she sold her house in Flagstaff and 
moved away. Like she moved away. And that's what's actually so beautiful about these like polygamous uh, spiritual marriages is that like, it's not like, oh, the separation date is this and we're officially a divorce. Like the second the words leave your mouth, you are divorced. Yeah. And, and it's wrapped up and it's over. And we don't know really what's going on with Janelle. We know from social media that Janelle and Christine are as close as ever. And they made it clear in the COVID season that like we are never leaving each other. Like no. we are it. it. Then Janelle has said some things like I might leave Cody. And it feels like, yeah. I mean, they feel so powerful to me right now. Like if they call TLC, see, they don't know how to do this. We need to be they their don't. agents. They yeah. need to call TLC and say, look, We'll do 10 episodes, Janelle and Christine, a new chapter. Yes, it's a deal. And then do like it. Mary can come back as a cameo occasionally. It's, it will work. And hearkening back to the question about Robin being manipulative, what I cannot take, what I cannot take or stand is that episode in this past season where she couldn't even be convincing when she was like, Cody's always at my house. Like, I didn't sign up to be monogamous. I signed up to be polygamous. Like, can somebody take my husband, please? And it's like, ma'am, we know that the only thing that makes you happy is that if Cody and all those kids are just in that house and no one ever leaves, like, please do not pretend like you are put out by being the most beloved and respected and listened to of the four wives. Yes. And there's something with her three oldest kids that she brought into the marriage that they like worship Cody for like saving them. And Cody saving loves that them. energy. Yes. He's he even said like those kids, like they'll listen to me. They listen to anything I say. Like he likes going to that house because he has full control. Like if he told them to jump off a short cliff, they would all be like, okay, let me get my shoes. Whereas Peyton, who I don't like because he's like a MAGA chud, but he did have one of the funniest lines when they lived in Vegas and he was trying to get all his kids to go to Utah to protest the law. And Peyton said, no, it doesn't matter. And no one cares. (laughs) Which is correct, Peyton. Broken clock <laughs> twice a day. Thank you, Peyton. Um, so so those are the main plot points. We have a few wild bonus questions. The Argyle ask, why is my mom obsessed with sister wives? She's not into poly relationship structures when I talk about mine. Here's the simple answer. Yes. Because the show is not propaganda the only thing it shows us is that these structures do not work like the show (laughs) is operating directly in opposition to your relationship structure that is why your mom likes it because it is showing the perils pitfalls and absolute (laughs) hell that these people are in at no point does it seem desirable yeah and there's something about the weird like way that they are outside of culture but also very conservative culture at once and in their mind there's these rules that are obvious that they're like abiding by but it's so confusing Mm -hmm. for anyone on the outside i I mean i I remember i was telling my husband about it once and he thought they like all sleep together and i was like what what no (laughs) no that's so obviously wrong but it's not obviously wrong it's just when you see the show it's like absolutely not never absolutely not they're like we don't abide by any rules as long as you're a consenting adult you can do whatever you want but also men do this women do this and never the two shall meet well that's what i'm interested in is if one of their sons ever comes out as gay which i do not believe has happened yet how that will go over yes because a lesbian just means more women in the family which they fundamentally are always used to yes having I I think that might really challenge them, especially like Cody and Robin. 
Mary won't care. <laughs> we no, know that. Mary no. will be absolutely ambivalent but, until the day she dies. But I think like I think it could that could really challenge them and, and be interesting. Um, all right, we have a, a couple more audio questions. Hi, me again. Uh, I also wanted to know if you were stranded on a desert island and could only bring three episodes of Sister Wives with you, not three seasons, just three individual episodes, what three episodes would you bring to watch on the island and why? That's an excellent question. I know my answer. Go for it. It would be Robin's wedding episode. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The episode, I don't know what was happening in it, but the episode where I learned that one of them had a lamp that was just a cowboy boot with a lamp, like <laughs> screwed a lampshade on top of it. And they kept cutting back to it. And I've never laughed so hard in my life. And the episode where Janelle leaves the family. I mean, Christine leaves the family. <laughs> Yeah, those are all excellent. I definitely have to go with Madison giving birth to Axel. Mm. An amazing episode. She gives birth in Janelle's house in Las Vegas. And uh, Christine helps. Christine and Madison are very close. And <laughs> Mary, like, buzzes by. And then, like, does one of those awkward, like, are you guys still in here giving birth? Eh, I'm going to leave. <laughs> just, like, outside the door. And, and she's like, Am I invited? And like the whole family is in there and she wasn't explicitly invited in. Yes. And then and that's like where the show where I'm like, I hate them. But then I'm like crying. Like, I love this family. Um, And also that maybe not the exact same episode, but the, ne the next one where Christine just dresses Mary down. Like we've never seen a Christine like that before where she was like, you were not there for her. It was wild. Yes, and she invited her over to her house to tell her off, yes. which is the wild part. Like she like was like, would you like to come over? We can have some iced tea and I can curse you the fuck out. Yes. And then I would also say uh, Mariah's coming out or Janelle said mm. I thought you had cancer and left the room. And I remember that one where they are going to move, where they tell them they're going to move to Las Vegas because there's so much chaos. Like, I miss those scenes where there were 27 kids, like, in a yes. room. And, like, some of them cheer because they have no idea what's going on. Some of them are crying because they have no idea what's going on. Like, they would always ask questions like, is this one coming with us? Like, yes, of course, your brothers. Yes. But it's like, you don't know. They don't really know what the parameters of society are. So it's like... <laughs> Anything could go. I miss those. Great question. Um, and our, our final question. Hi, just one more question um, from your friendly neighborhood student, uh, Lauren Brickman. Uh, as a single woman, I am really trying to put myself out there more this year. And one of my goals for 2022 is to just really say yes to opportunities to try and find love. And I'm curious, as two pop culture experts and two people I speak to, at least 10 times a day via text. Who in the Sister Wives universe do you think I would make the best love match with? Is there someone for me in the Sister Wives universe? <laughs> um, thank you so much. Big question. Brilliant question. Uh, I mean, the best man we've mentioned him many times is Logan. Would love to see you with Logan, but he is with Michelle. But mm -hmm. we don't know the status. You know, why is that engagement going on so long? We don't know. I... I, my answer is, I believe it's someone's brother. And I don't believe, wait, 
did that brother pass? No, I think Cody's other brother passed. But he he has one normal brother who is cute and kind of pops in. He might also be married, but that's not a deterrent. Right. Um, But any of these peripheral family members are just a little bit more well-adjusted. And then my second choice would be Logan. Like you said, like he's just a steady guy. And like, imagine having a husband that grew up in that family. Nothing would rattle him. And you could ask him to do anything. You could be like, can you please go? um, I need you to go to Walgreens and ask them for all of the sour gummies they have. And he would be like, this must be what straight marriage is like. Yes. Oh, yeah. Monogamy is like, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. You know, I like Mitch pretty well. I think Mitch had brothers. Mm. And I think mm-hmm. Aspen would be a good sister-in-law. Um, I think Lauren Brickman would like the Scottish kilt thing at the wedding. I could yes. see that being an aesthetic she could get into. So, so, so a Mitch brother, you know, Logan. If anything goes wrong with Michelle, um, maybe someone around the air, the B and B that Mary owns, that could be fun. I don't know much about the men of Mary's family other than her brother, who of course is you know single again after Janelle left right. thirty years ago. Um, but yeah, any final thoughts? Anything? I, yeah, I really do think we did a good primer on sister wives, like we set out to do. A- any final thoughts? My final thoughts are like, you know, sometimes I'm sure in the course of life, like shows kind of go on without you. Like I remember at a certain point, like I used to watch The Vampire Diaries. I kind of yeah. let it go on without me. I never finished it sure. when it finished. Like I missed a season or two, and then that was fine. This particular show, Sister Wives, a program, whether it exists on TLC, on TikTok, on YouTube, on Patreon, on whatever, I'm they're going to have to go off before I do. They will fall off before I do. I am in it for the long haul. There is nothing they can do to stop me from watching it. And I by my own force, I never will. Absolutely agree. And I It is the show, you know, our listeners know I love some housewives. I love the challenge. And when those premiere, I will watch it within that week, discuss with friends. Sister Wives, if it comes on, it's okay. I'll let it pile up a few episodes. But when I am watching it, there is absolutely nothing more important. You, it is like being high on drugs like you could not you could say i'm gonna cancel roni forever i'll be like give me one more episode of sister just give me one more please i will do anything and that may not be rational that may not contribute to my overall happiness in this world but it is somehow the most addictive when it's on like i don't want to be doing anything else i just want to be looking at their social media i just want to know what happens next and there's something I remember this happened with the hills that the, the tabloid stories got too far ahead of what's happening. That somehow doesn't happen at all in no. Sister Wives, like, because they're never know. spotted. Like no, there's no paparazzi in Flagstaff or in Salt Lake City being like, "Oh, we saw Christina out with so and so." Like they're just living their lives until they reveal it on this program. Yes, and 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 maybe you know a big highlight, but like until you know how it happens, it doesn't matter at all. Doesn't it just matter. doesn't matter. Yeah, they have no celebrity friends. They don't try to make friends. I, 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 bet, I wonder if they've ever heard of Real Housewives. Wow. I wonder if they've ever interfaced or metabolized the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. We, that is the crossover we must see. Oh, my God. It's, oh, it's, my God. It's amazing. And 
I mean, at least Mariah and Audrey have to go to a party in the Real House of the Salt Lake City universe. Have to. They have to go to a Fresh Wolf party or... Because they have to be involved in, like, Pride SLC. Mm -hmm. And you know Heather's going to want to go to some event to be like, I am... Meredith and Brooks are going to be there. I'm an ally. And then there's Mariah and Audrey. It'll happen. Oh, amazing. Just amazing. Wow. You know, I do have to thank Lauren Brickman for once buying me a cameo from Janelle. (laughs) I have to say, I've heard Janelle say my name, and that was such a highlight. Um, But, you know, Mary, Janelle is still my favorite because she's just in my heart. But Mary is amazing on the show now. Christine's found her backbone, and Robin is not doing well these days. But but that new season, it could all flip. It could all flip. Mm -hmm. We don't know. Lauren Ashley Smith, thank you so much for going on this journey with us. Uh, you know, where can our listeners find you? I'm sure they already know. but They can uh, listen to Smith Sisters Live yes. on Radio Andy, Channel 102 on Sirius XM, every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Or they can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at MSLAS. Awesome. Well, I'm sure you'll be back in the We Stand verse shortly. Thank you for being here. And, and thank you. you know, live the principle. Talmor is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My grand says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready, for a great evil is coming. And death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a Storyglass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts.